Hey folks, it's uh, Justin McElroy here. Listen, just want to warn you ahead of time, while uh, this week's show will still be free profanity as you've come to uh, uh, expect from us, we do get into some uh, uh, adult topics. So uh, if you're listening with the kids, you might want to make sure that they're comfortable with that, I guess. I don't know what your relationship is like with your kids. I'd have that whole birds and the bees talk with them before listening to this episode if I were you. You go ahead and knock that out. Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. Just finishing up her uh, Nature Box Lemon Almond Biscotti Bites. More about that later. More on that later. So how are you today, Justin? I'm doing well. It's a nice early morning recording. We shipped uh, the puddle off to your uh, your in-laws to that hang is out what with. We call our daughter. Yeah, yeah. Well, they know that. Uh, so we shipped her off to uh, to learn and grow and eat some sweet potatoes over there at Mimi and Pop's house, and now we're just, I'm ready to hear about some medical history, Sydney. Well, I thought we could take a second to, like, talk and learn a little more about each other. You know, we don't get to talk yeah, much I mean, these days. I think when you know? when we're recording a podcast is a fine time to do that. What did you uh, have in mind as a topic? I don't know. Just, like, to learn more about, like, your likes and dislikes and, like, your okay. favorite things. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, like, your favorite food is cereal. Right. Because you eat that a lot. Yep. But, like, I don't know other things. Like, what's what's your favorite poem? Oh, wow. My favorite poem. Man. Uh, whew. I mean, I've got so Recite many. Recite it from memory immediately, please. Uh, uh, immediately? Uh, favorite poem. Favorite poem. Um, ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. That's the McDonald's jingle? Food, folks, and fun. What's that from? Is that a poem? Is that another jingle? It um my favorite poem. You got nothing, do you? Is my fa well, my favorite Have poem. Have you ever read a poem? Um Ride my pony. My saddle's <laughs> waiting. Ride it, my pony. I don't think that's appropriate. It's an equestrian poem. For our podcast. And I mean, I guess so you're falling back on the songs are poetry kind of thing uh, for like a yes. jewel, a jewel esque. I'll be honest, I don't know that much poetry. I had a couple poetry classes. I I wrote, you know, in college, in in keeping with law, uh, for somebody with a little arts degree, I wrote some bad poetry. But um, I I guess I like like I like E. E. Cummings. Okay. Carry your heart with me. Carry it in my heart. That's a good one. Oh, there you go. That's my okay. Poem. Well, yeah, that- that's my favorite 
poem. What's yours? Well, would you like me to recite it for you? Of course, yeah. Okay. So this is my favorite poem. Um, It's a little, I don't know. It's not everybody's taste, but you know me. Hit me. Okay. You're going to recite it from memory. Yes, completely from memory. Okay. Well, now, now you took it off the screen, so now okay. I can't, well, now then, I can't, I, all right then. Now I can't pretend to recite it from memory. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> that was I a just, that was a great trick. You put me on blast for my lack of uh, my lack of knowledge about uh, uh, poetry. So I just uh huh. So Justin wanted to take it away, so I couldn't see it anymore, so that it could be this great trick that it looked like I was. It was a trick you were trying to play on our audience, and I, I don't appreciate that. It's an audience trick. Okay, here we go. Sorry. Yeah, so anyway, from memory. From memory. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There was a young man from Black Bay who thought syphilis just went away. He believed that a shanker was only a canker that healed in a week and a day. But now he has acne vulgaris or whatever they call it in Paris. On his skin, it has spread from his feet to his head and his friends want to know where his hair is. There's more to his terrible plight. His pupils won't close in the light. His heart is cavorting. His wife is aborting and he squints through his gun barrel sight. Arthralgia cuts into his slumber. His aorta in need of a plumber. But now he has tabies and saber shin babies. While of gummas, he has quite a number. He's been treated in every known way, but his spirochetes grow day by day. He's developed paresis, has long talks with Jesus, and he thinks he's the queen of the May. What is that about? Well, thank you, Theodore Roseberry, who wrote that lovely syphilis poem. It's about syphilis. It's to remember all the symptoms of syphilis in a poem. Why, Why has syphilis inspired a poem? You know... And uh, syphilis has actually inspired quite a few poems, really, throughout the ages. Do you want to do you want to know more about syphilis? I'd love to know more about syphilis. Well, let's talk about syphilis. Okay. Uh, a lot of our listeners want us to talk about syphilis. Yeah, you guys are like hungry for syphilis chat. Which I mean, that makes me worry. Like, it's really just to skip ahead. It's really easily treatable. Go see a doctor. Don't wait for a podcast. <laughs> they gotta do this episode. I'm dying over here. But thank you to some of the people who have suggested it. Ruth, Aaron, Hannah, Anne, Diane, Megan, Patricia, and Holly, and I'm sure many other people have suggested it. But syphilis is an old disease. The first outbreak we know about, the first one that was recorded, and I'll get into kind of, there's a lot more, there's a lot more question as to where it may have started before this, but the first recorded outbreak was in A lot of theoretical syphilis. A lot of the- Band name, I call it theoretical syphilis. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how many people are going to want to come see. I'm going to go to. Th- you're going to come to the show anyway because you're supportive. And I appreciate that about you. Will you sing songs about syphilis? No, there's no. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, 1494, some French troops invaded Naples, Italy. And while they were there wreaking havoc, they, you know, started plundering the town and unfortunately plundering the citizens. And there's this weird disease that started spreading. I bet it's syphilis. <laughs> Everybody started getting, and it, it was pretty apparent, you know, a lot of the time we don't know how things spread. We talk about on our on our show that people are like, I don't know, it was a bad smell that spread the plague, something mm-hmm. like that. It, people figured out pretty quickly that syphilis had something to do with sexual contact mm-hmm. because of where your symptoms start. And I'll get into describing kind of the course of syphilis, but but it was pretty apparent pretty quickly. Like <laughs> The course of syphilis ooh. is another great title. <laughs> For anything. Um, so people started getting sick, really sick, started dying, because syphilis back then was a little worse than syphilis now. 
um, and this is when we first know that syphilis pops up in the historical record. Now, as far as where it came from before that, there's actually a lot of controversy over whether it was a disease that when Columbus visited the Americas that he brought back with him. Because, I mean, you you think about it, 1494, 1495, when the first big outbreak happens, not too long after. Do you remember when Columbus sailed the ocean blue? I believe it was 1492. There you go. I was giving you a clue because it rhymes. Yeah. This is a poetry episode. Oh, my God. More poetry. Oh, my gosh. Um so there's some question. We think it came from the Americas. We have some evidence that would support that. Other people are saying, well, maybe it existed in Europe before. There's some things that Hippocrates even wrote about that sound kind of like syphilis. So maybe it was it was always in Europe. Uh, there are some related diseases that we find in, in Africa. But uh, at the end of the day, our best evidence at this point is that I don't I don't know. Was this retribution for the smallpox that Columbus's crew brought over? It's all all's fair in love and war, Native so Americans. The, so they Sorry sent about syphilis that. back over. See you you did one too. You did a bad <laughs> you see? It maybe the tables have turned now. No. Maybe it's not no. No, it no, doesn't make up for it's anything. Not, it doesn't make no, up for it anything. Doesn't. It doesn't. But, but no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh the you know, we've talked a lot about poetry. The word syphilis actually comes from a poem. That's where we get the name of the disease syphilis. Prior to that, it had lots of other names, but but the name Syphilis came from a poem written by Girol- Girolamo Fracastoro, who was an Italian doctor and, I guess, poet. Poet. Or Aunt, fancied himself poet. Yeah. <laughs> quite the poet. And he wrote a poem about a man who was named Syphilis. That is unfortunate. Well, that is a rough burden to bear, <laughs> mon frere. Sorry about that. At the time, it wasn't called Syphilis. He must have been jized about this poem, though. <laughs> oh, cool. What is it? Oh, oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. It's syphilis. Oh, the penis falling off thing. This syphilis. No, eh, no, no, no. That's not what happens. That's why you uh, can't see. That's why you gotta I do symptoms you, first. No, I will tell you the symptoms. I have nothing not to work with. Okay. <laughs> so a man named Syphilis is given the disease by Apollo as punishment because there was like a drought and, uh, you know, Apollo was the sun god, so he was blamed for it. And Syphilis was like cursing Apollo, like, I can't believe you brought us this drought. And Apollo was like, well, take this. Take this, Syphilis. You want to curse my name, you get this disease, which henceforth was known as Syphilis. Yeah. Before it was called Syphilis, it depended on where you were in Europe or the world in general as to what you would call it. Can I ask a question that's also around this topic? Uh-huh. Is VD syphilis? VD actually stands for venereal disease, mm-hmm. which could reference any any kind of sexually transmitted infection. It's kind of an outdated term. We actually VD don't... is like an extra, outdated way of saying STD. Yes. Okay. And actually, I, more commonly now, and I don't know if this is everybody, but I tend to say STI, sexually transmitted infection. Mm. What's the difference? I think I think so it's like more in one of, sentence. Um, what's the difference between? Disease and infection. Well, I don't, I don't think it's it's so much the the difference between the two as the way that it sounds. I think it's more of a disease sounds worse. Okay. You go. You get a sexually transmitted infection. I know. A sexually that, transmitted disease sounds. I mean, it, it gets, I know that it, when it, I catch chlamydia, all I can think is, I just wish this was framed better from a <laughs> linguistic point of view. That would really help this bitter pill go down well, a little smoother. And it's also an inf- it's it's also not something that you necessarily have forever. There are sexually transmitted infections that you that become chronic diseases, but then there are things like gonorrhea and chlamydia, which just go away so just when, you're treated, nicer. when you're treated. Let's yeah. just call them pumpkin pie high fives. <laughs> if we're gonna like 
Sure. That's a cool. That's hey, good news. You got a pumpkin pie high five. Kids wear a condom. Don't get a pumpkin pie high five. Yeah, like if we're just like that's never gonna work. It's never gonna work. <laughs> They're all gonna want that. We're fired <laughs> for whatever this imaginary job is. So let's talk about what they called syphilis. So if you were in Germany, you would have called, especially in the early 1500s, you would have called syphilis the French disease. <laughs> nice. If you were in France, you would call it the Italian disease. <laughs> if you were in Holland, you called it the Spanish disease. <laughs> in Russia, you called it the Polish disease. In Turkey, it was the Christian disease. And in Tahiti, it was the British disease. Oh, my gosh. And Humans I, are the best. I think there were some other countries thrown in from time to time That's that were so blamed. Um, but generally, it was it was probably whatever like colonists showed up mm-hmm. and then you got it. You were like, well, it's probably their fault. They did it. It was also, we've talked a lot about smallpox. This was also known as the great pox mm. um, because there are, there are some like, I don't, they're not exactly pox like lesions, but a rash that happens in the second stage of syphilis. Um, and they wanted to make sure that we were clarifying the difference between this and smallpox. So it was mm-hmm. called the great pox. It was also called Cupid's disease, which I think you could piece together why. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was interesting. There was a, a name for the ulcers that it caused among British soldiers stationed in Portugal. They called it the Black Lion. Whoa. <laughs> sounds like it's heavy. cool. Like, yeah. And in Scotland, they called it Grand Gore. Grand Gore. Okay. Grand Gore, which I like that name because it's very gory. So initially, syphilis starts spreading in Naples, and then it just takes off all over Europe. Uh, and anywhere that European explorers are going, they carry syphilis along with them and spread it to the populace there. Uh, and like I said, it was reckoned by the 1520s, it was well established that this was sexually transmitted. And so there were attempts already to stop it, you know, even not, not knowing what it is or, you know, anything about the, the organism that spreads it. Uh, there were attempts to stop it by closing down brothels, closing down public bathhouses, or specifically saying like, well, we can have a bathhouse, but only for men here and only for women here, like no mixed bathhouses. Um, they tried to regulate prostitution, not stop it, <laughs> just right. regulate it. Just like try to figure out if there were certain prostitutes that were, and I, this would be hard to do at the time, I would think, like who may be carrying syphilis without yeah. any tests for syphilis. That would have been very hard. Yeah. And then, you know, try to stop them from being prostitutes. Uh, For many, it was seen as a punishment for sin. Mm, Okay. The Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian I said that, you know, this was this was God's punishment because we've all been bad people and that this is just going to happen and everybody deal with it. And so there were some people who said, you know, whoever has syphilis, we should just kind of let them let them go die because this is what God is doing to punish them. So there were some there were some people who made no efforts whatsoever to treat or suppress syphilis with the thought that as long as they were a good kind of moral person, oh man, they wouldn't get it. That's a bummer. It had a lot of effect um, on history, and we've talked about this with other diseases. The fashions of the time uh, were altered because women started wearing like a lot more makeup to hide the skin lesions, Ooh. like big thick caked on makeup and things, because it kind of marked you. It very much it, there were distinctive lesions that syphilis causes on the skin, and if you had them, then it wasn't just you know like smallpox. It was oh no, you got smallpox. I feel I feel so bad for you. This was oh, you're one of those people. You got syphilis. Yeah. Um, and this also actually, I, I saw this mentioned a couple of places. It played a role in the history of the church 
because if you were a member specifically of the Catholic Church and you were supposed to be celibate, but oh, sure, but right. then you had Blow some disfigurements spot. or lesions that were obviously from syphilis, then it began to question the, you know, the absolute holiness of some of the the more prominent church figures from from town to town. So, and when we read, and I'm kind of already alluding to this, when you read the original descriptions of syphilis, it's really horrific. They talk about giant abscesses, so like these giant ulcers that then turn into like these pockets of pus that eat away at your your skin and specifically on your face and into your bones. Your nose would be completely destroyed by syphilis. We talked about this on the plastic surgery episode, Mm -hmm. that it specifically attacks the, the skin and the cartilage of your nose. So people would just basically not have a nose by the end and um you their skin would fall off it was a really disfiguring horrific fatal disease um this is not the course of syphilis now this is not the way that we get syphilis now so what do you think that 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 is do you think that's just like treating it repeatedly and or or is it a completely different disease or Uh, no it's not completely different i think it's just changed over time and then also this was a population where there was zero immunity so it just ravaged them Mm, you know now we have a lot more people who have either had syphilis or been exposed to syphilis or we do well we don't now but we did as time went on okay. and so the disease changed course and then it mutates and so gonna say, now well now we don't i shouldn't say now that's a the world is much different than i thought it was <laughs> between got 1494 syphilis. and now okay a lot it. more people got syphilis got it so Sydney, at one point it was like a fifth of the world was infected with syphilis Sydney, what what does syphilis do Exactly. Okay, so nowadays, if you were to get syphilis, this would be the the course of your illness. First, you get a chancre, which is an ulcer. It's painless, if you can believe that, but it's just a single ulcer, and it's somewhere in your, you know, your... Genitalia. Uh, your private. You, you can use your bathing, here. Your bathing suit. Bathing suit area. Your okay, bathing suit it. area. And you just get one, and it's there for quite a while, like four to six weeks, mm-hmm. and then it goes away. So a lot of people, and and some people don't have this. So this is why syphilis is missed a lot, is because you have just this one thing and then it goes away on its own and it didn't hurt, and then you're fine. Mm -hmm. Or you didn't get it at all. You didn't have that that first shanker. Secondary syphilis comes later. Uh, At this point, you get the rash that that people were talking about a lot more when you read these old writings. You get... uh, some of it is just like red bumps on your groin, your hands, your feet. You can also get these raised plaques. So these like, um, do, 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 you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Raised plaque. No. Like large, flat area of okay. skin that's raised. Okay. Um, okay. It's called condyloma lata. But anyway, the point is they were these big skin, obvious skin lesions. Mm-hmm. Big, giant, not just little red dots. I love you very much you gave me my daughter and i um and i do very much appreciate that if i could just ask for myself and probably a good proportion of the listeners if you could just like sort of speed this section up a little bit we're really lingering on all the shankers and oozing if we could just kind of like beep 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 kind of hit these a little quicker for me okay i just think this is the interesting part okay and go okay so after two to six weeks, this goes away. And you may have a couple different courses of secondary syphilis. You may have a couple different uh, times where you get the rash and then it goes away. Then there's tertiary syphilis. Uh, this can happen anywhere from two years to 20 years after your initial infection. So this is a long-term thing. And this is for people who aren't treated. 
it can involve neurological symptoms. Uh, you can get dementia from it. You can get meningitis. You can get these destructive lesions all over your body and in your organs called gummas. Uh, you can get an aneurysm of your aorta. Um, there's all kinds of problems. Yeah, arthritis and arthralgias. Anyway, you can get really sick in tertiary syphilis. And that's what in that poem when they talk about he thinks he's the queen of the May. It's somebody that would get dementia and maybe even go what we would have thought of back at the time as crazy because of syphilis. Hmm. Um, and you see, can see that with neurosyphilis at the end, people who are very altered as a result. And there's also, it's important to note, there's the, the, uh, the syndrome of congenital syphilis. So syphilis, especially in the secondary stage, can be passed on to the fetus. Mm-hmm. So if a woman has syphilis while she's pregnant, and this used to be, especially in the 1500s, a, a huge, huge problem. And babies can be born with all kinds of deformities and, and internal organ diseases. And so, so with all the like the different ways that this can present, it seems like it would be kind of a bear to diagnose. How did how did that how did they do it? It absolutely was, and I'm going to tell you about that. But before we do that, why don't you head on down with me to the billing department? Let's go. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. What are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. 
get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. So how do we diagnose syphilis? So there was a lot of- Pretend that I paused an appropriate amount of time between dinner chat and syphilis chat just uh, unless I edited in like 10 seconds of silence there. Is there an appropriate amount of- There is no appropriate amount. Imagine there was some music. Let me try again. (laughs) That's the music that you get after dinner and before syphilis? That music has never led anyone from dinner to the activities that necessitate, you know, happening. How do we diagnose syphilis, smart aleck? I'm going to eat my lemon almond biscotti bites. Will you tell me how to diagnose syphilis? Don't crunch in the microphone. So there was a lot of confusion for a while about whether uh, syphilis was its own disease or if it was part of gonorrhea. And I think we talked about this as well, because remember, there was the one doctor who, in order to prove, we talked about this in the self-diagnosis section so in order to prove that syphilis and gonorrhea were different and the same he could he didn't know he took pus from a syphilis sore and he injected it into his own penis such a cool dude and then he got syphilis and gonorrhea because the person he got it from had syphilis and gonorrhea and anyway so as a result there was a lot of confusion for a long time so people thought that you got gonorrhea first and then later on it would become syphilis so it took many years for us to figure out that no while they are both transmitted in the same fashion these are definitely different uh diseases and it wasn't until like 1838 that we actually figured this out uh the doctor who wrote oh doctor who is involved (laughs) doctor who no don't bring doctor who into this syphilis conversation (laughs) Don't start spreading vicious rumors. That's well. That would make a lot more sense, though. How did syphilis get everywhere? <laughs> yeah, all throughout history and space and the earth. There was think a, about it. <laughs> there was a there was a somewhat funny uh, image going around uh, back. I mean, uh, sort of gallows humor, but uh, back during the when the Ebola outbreak was uh, was when we were treating doctors here for Ebola. There was a uh, screen capture from Fox News or CNN or something, and at the bottom it said, a doctor who brought Ebola back from Africa. <laughs> it's like, and a bunch of people were sharing that, like, no, how could he? <laughs> Why would he do this to us? He's supposed to be a good guy. Oh, on our team. Uh, so the doctor who established it. Right was Dr. Philippe Record, and he was the first one to describe the, the three stages of syphilis and, and to note that this is a distinct disease, and at the time it was still a clinical diagnosis. So you just kind of look for these three stages and go, eh, okay, you probably have syphilis. Um, the reward for being the first one to formally describe syphilis as, a, as its own disease is that the initial shanker forever forth became known as Record's shanker. Wow, what, a, what an honor. So I don't know that he, in retrospect, he probably wishes he hadn't figured that out. I think this is interesting. And anyone who is listening who's like in medical school or who is a doctor who's ever studied any of this stuff is going to like this too. He worked under Dr. Dupuytren, who has a contracture name for him, Dupuytren's contracture. And his protege was Dr. Fournier of gangrene fame, Fournier's gangrene, so... Which would, is a gangrene of the scrotum. I would literally right. rather listen to you describe symptoms of syphilis. Okay. Well, anyway, I just I thought it was cool. Uh, we know a lot more about syphilis and like the 
the course of the illness as far as what happens if you don't do anything to try to treat it from stage to stage because of a really horrible study that was done. And a, and a lot of people have heard of this before, the Tuskegee study. So between 1932 and 1972, the U.S. Public Health Service did a study in Tuskegee, Alabama, where basically they recruited rural African-American men uh, and tested them to see if they had syphilis and then didn't really do anything. They would bring them in periodically and tell them that they were they were taking care of them, that they were getting free medical care, but they didn't actually do anything to alter the course of their illness. They didn't treat them in any way. They didn't even tell them that they had syphilis. So so the participants that came in that were positive for syphilis, they never let them know. Um, and initially in 1932, when this was started, we didn't have a great treatment. But in the 40s, when penicillin was introduced, we did. We had an excellent treatment for syphilis, and they still didn't offer this to any of the participants or even tell them that they needed it. Um, they even, uh, men who were, were registering for the draft during World War II, were tested for syphilis and found positive, the U.S. Public Health Service attempted to intervene in these cases so that the military would not tell them that they were positive so that they wouldn't then get treatment through the military. Hmm. Um, so they actively kept people from getting treated. So it was a, a really horrible, dark period, I think, in our history. And a lot of men died from syphilis and their their wives got syphilis and some of their children were born with congenital syphilis. So. So that's where, unfortunately, a lot of information as to what happens when you don't treat syphilis comes from, um, from this really, really awful, awful study. So anyway, what treatments have we used over time for syphilis? Mm -hmm. Initially, we tried a lot of herbal treatments, uh, as we did with everything. Sure. Uh, wild, yes. Wild pansy, something called guaiacum or, or holy wood, which guaiac is also used to test stool for blood. I didn't know that's where that came from. Huh. It's like an herb that we use for that. Um, this was not very effective, but this, you know, we didn't, we didn't know. We put it on, we put it on wounds and hope they got better. Mercury was the biggest treatment historically for syphilis. Uh, you could take it any way you wanted to. You could eat it. You could inject it directly at the site if you were so inclined. Uh, there were a lot of salves, like topical applications, like take this cream and rub it all over your syphilis. Um, or a lot of people like to uh, kind of be fumigated with mercury. So like you mm. would sit in a box. Do a lot of people like to be fumigated with mercury, Sydney? <laughs> well, back then they did. Okay. It's an odd phrasing. Sorry. You know what I'd like? <laughs> what I'd like is to be fumigated with mercury. If you had syphilis, you probably would because you oh, didn't know what else to do. Oh, Daniel, we don't have time to be fumigated with mercury. We only have the afternoon. But, Rebecca, I'd really like to be fumigated with mercury. Sydney says I'd like to be fumigated with mercury. If you had syphilis... <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so you would sit in a box. Mercury is sleeping the nation. People liking being fumigated with mercury. Not being required to or having to. They don't like it, says modern day doc. Are you good with your syphilis jokes? Yeah, mercury jokes? Are you all. happy now? Yeah. Okay. I'd like to move on to something else. Just let me know. I'll yeah. keep I'll keep educating no, 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 it's the fine. public whenever, keep whenever you're done. educating the public. I got these limited biscotti bites. I'm good. So anyway, you would sit in a box with your head sticking out of it, and then they would f put some mercury in it and then heat it underneath. So like the idea was that you would kind of absorb the mercury gas. Does it's it actually have a low? Does it, does mercury have a low uh, temperature at which it changes to a gas? Like just like it, it is, you know how it has a low temperature at which it changes yeah. from 
No, it's a it's a liquid most of the time. Like the boiling point is low. I'm wondering. I'm what this is what I'm asking. You know, I don't know the temperature that it becomes a gas, but I do know that the this is one of the most ineffective ways to deliver mercury hmm. is through Excellent. the gas form. So I I don't know if that's because it doesn't become a gas or because it just isn't absorbed that way. Um, I'm sure somebody is is looking this up right now. Yeah. Uh, you would usually. If you were going to use it, you would usually just sit in a hot room near a fire and then rub mercury on your skin several times a day. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you would put some arsenic on your skin, too, with the mercury just to really, really get it in there. There were also drinks that were sold. There were chocolate drinks that were sold by street vendors uh, that were laced with mercury. And the idea behind this specifically was so that a man could buy them and give them to his wife and children that's not good without them knowing that's not a good thing to do what he was doing so you could treat your wife for syphilis by saying hey honey i have this lovely chocolate beverage for you so 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 basically anytime you try to give me anything with chocolate in it i'm gonna now wonder be a little suspicious uh, this led to the the phrase "a night with Venus and a lifetime with Mercury." It's pretty clever. Yeah, uh, malaria was used to treat syphilis briefly. <laughs> uh, the idea was that, and this was a common therapy that if you could induce a high fever, you could kill some sort of disease that a person had. Mm-hmm. Uh, malaria was just it induced really high fevers, and so that it, it was used. And especially after we had quinine to cure malaria, it was thought, well, this is an acceptable risk then because we can just give you syphilis, and or we, you have syphilis, and we'll give you malaria, and then you'll get better. Um, so if you didn't want to do that, you could just sit in like a steam room which seems a little better to me. There were surgeries we already talked about that could reconstruct your nose. And, and again, we mentioned this in the plastic surgery episode, but this involved like sewing your arm to your face Ugh. so that it still had the blood supply from your arm, the skin from your arm, and then you would leave it there until it kind of attached to your face and then disconnect it. That would be weeks. And then there was a great treatment that came out in 1908 called Salversan. This was actually the first thing that, that really did treat syphilis well, uh, not that it was a perfect treatment by any stretch. It was also known as 606, which I think is very ominous. Yeah, that, that's threatening, I think. But it, that was just because it was the sixth in a series of six collections of compounds that were tested or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like Formula 409. Sort of like that, yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, and this was we found this just a few years after we finally isolated the cause of syphilis, uh, a bacteria called a spirochete called treponema pallidum we had just figured that out we started using salversan which was an organo arsenic compound which means it's got arsenic in it uh, it did definitely kill the spirochetes it had been thoroughly tested on rabbits Ooh. if that makes you feel better and you had to take a series of mini injections and it had a lot of toxic side effects including liver damage rashes nausea vomiting and maybe you would die oh man so not an ideal treatment nope and then in 1943, the world changed because we, we had penicillin. Yay, penicillin. And this yeah. is like the this is the beginning of the end of a lot of infectious disease stories. Yeah. Because then we had antibiotics. So 1943, penicillin hits hits the screen and everybody starts using that for syphilis. And it is still to this day the best cure for syphilis. That's what we would give you if you came into the office today. We'd give you an injection of penicillin. So... Lots of famous people had syphilis, by the way. Oh, yeah? Keats did, Toulouse-Lautrec, Manet, Al Capone. It's theorized that people like Napoleon and maybe Van Gogh, maybe Hitler had syphilis. Oh. So 
They pro- syphilis was probably another one of these diseases that had a lot more effect on the course of human history than we give it credit for. Thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines at the uh, the intro and outro of our program. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Search Sawbones on Facebook. There's a lot of people there uh, discussing episodes. Um, you can also find the, uh, the, the page for MaximumFun.org, which is our podcast network. In fact, there was a, like, thir- did you see this, like, 30 response thread on the MaximumFun.org Facebook page about what the guy what the guy is saying at the beginning of our theme song. No. This song is about the 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 books, <laughs> whatever whatever he is saying there. Uh, that that seems to be the the prevailing wisdom right now is this song is about some books, but um, oh, because apparently the song medicines is if you listen to the lyrics, it's about people who uh, turn into books. No, I didn't yeah, know like that's track, what it was about. Track that down. It was about medicine. It's about everything. Okay. Uh, but thank you to to them. Uh, MaximumFun.org is a podcast network. We are a part of it, uh, along with uh, other shows like uh, The Adventure Zone, which is a D&D uh, podcast that I do with my brothers and my dad. Uh, Bunker Buddies is a new one that uh, my brother Travis does with his friend Andy, and the two of them talk about how you can survive certain disaster scenarios. But it's a comedy show. You can also check out My Brother, My Brother, and Me, where oh. Justin and his brothers attempt to give you bad advice. Well, we successfully give bad advice. Well, that's true. You attempt to give advice and it's bad. (laughs) Succeed in giving bad advice. (laughs) You can check out all those shows plus many, many more at MaximumFun.org. I think that's going to do it for us, Sid. We're on Twitter at Sawbones. She's at Sydney McElroy, S-Y-D-N-E-E-M-C-E-L-R-O-Y. And he's at Justin McElroy, which is easier to spell. Until uh, next Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, uh, whichever comes first. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.